Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Forgotten Films. I'm Ben Hyten. Alex and I have both spoken previously that uh, things in our respective lives have become much more intense um, over the last year. Just work stuff, you know, trying to make money, making that money. And uh, as a result, it's not really going to be feasible for us to watch two films and talk about them and research them and record an episode and edit it every week. So what we're going to do instead is record every fortnight and release those episodes every fortnight. And in the weeks in between, you get me rabbiting on for a few minutes. Um, So what I want to do with these episodes is take a look at some of the other films that we didn't have time to talk about. Now, on the 1981 we actually spent a relatively significant amount of time talking about The Long Riders. Um, so I'm not going to really go into that any further other than to say if you're a fan of those Walter Hill films and you've not seen it, it's perfectly respectable. As I said on the episode, it has one standout action scene, which is classic Walter Hill. And a, and it's it's a solid entry into the late Western genre. So those kind of things we're probably not going to talk about as much on the main episode Um going forward and I might talk about them a bit more in depth in these episodes I also wanted to take a look at some of the awards films because we're probably not going to cover the big Oscar movies but as we see every year there are films that win major awards that then don't they don't really have um, a particularly long life after that I'm thinking of things like Shakespeare in Love Chicago A Beautiful Mind in more recent years have been big awards darlings made a big splash when they came out and then within a couple of years have sort of started to, to drift away. And I think there's a there's a really interesting period at the end of the 70s and beginning of the 80s because the Oscars that were held in 1980 was honouring the films that were released in 1979. So you had Apocalypse Now and Kramer versus Kramer, which I think feel and have a life that is very 70s, but very specifically end of the 70s, they feel... Apocalypse Now particularly feels like the end of an era Um, and obviously Peter Biskind with his book Easy Riders Raging Bulls is drawing a similar uh, comparison when he goes from the the seminal films of 1969 through to the end of the studio uh, darlings those um, Coppola's, Scorsese's, Spielberg's um, in 1980 with Raging Bull and having to adapt for what for what's now the more uh, glossy 80s going ahead. So yeah, in 1980, Raging Bull was the was a major nominee along with David Lynch's Elephant Man. I don't think we could ever make the case that either of those films are forgotten. They're rightly held up as classics, but they weren't the big winners. The big winner was a Robert Redford film called Ordinary People uh, that starred Timothy Hutton and uh, Mary Tyler Moore and Judd Hirsch, um, and it's a it's a fine film. It's very well written. It's very well acted. Timothy Hutton's an interesting case because he won a Best Supporting Actor for that and he must have still been a teenager. And uh, the following year he did Taps, which obviously we've talked about in the Tom Cruise season. And I think Alex and I both spoke about Timothy Hutton then saying his performance in that was incredible. And I really liked seeing him in in a lot of films, Um, especially in the 90s, things like George A. Romero's Dark Half and um, Ted Demi's Beautiful Girls. And his his career dried up, and it's it's always strange to me that there's someone who isn't short on talent, uh, has a very amenable presence, isn't stricken with scandal, and is an Oscar winner. And for whatever reason, they don't have the career that 
arguably more mediocre people do. And ordinary people is um, is a very um, how to put it kindly unspectacular film. It's a, it's a very good film, but it's exactly that kind of film, like a Beautiful Mind, that you will watch, you will be satisfied by. In most cases, I'm not a big fan of a Beautiful Mind. But it's not a film that you're going to put on every year. It's certainly not a film that you're going to go back to and back to and, and discover new things about, except maybe in the nuances of the the writing and the and the acting. It's it's quite a, a safe film. And I think that's why something like Raging Bull, which is Scorsese at the peak of his powers, it's De Niro arguably at the peak of his powers. It's a it's a powerful film. It's a shocking film. It's a beautiful film. It's a harrowing film. And depending on what mood you're in when you go back to it, you will get something different out of it each time. And it's and it's a film that lingers with you and is worth going back to time and time again. The Elephant Man, again, just look at the career of David Lynch and, and how out of place The Elephant Man feels in a lot of ways. And at the same time, it's, it's classic Lynch. Um, it is obscure it is surreal and it is strangely affecting uh, as, and so it, it's always interesting to me when these films are they, they grow to become classics and they don't win all the awards at the times and then the films that do win the awards often often sink into the background and I, I think with the upcoming Oscar season we may see that with a film like Green Book which is getting huge recognition and it's a fine film it is nothing you haven't seen a hundred times before. But it's very competently directed. It's very well acted by Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Particularly Viggo Mortensen, who it's nice to see in a big meaty role again. But even with the, the recent controversies uh, around how truthful the film is and, and some things Viggo Mortensen has said that are a bit regrettable on the, um, on the junket circuit, it, no one's going to talk about that film in a year's time. Guarantee it. So I think it's going forward, I'd like to maybe for these episodes pick out uh, one of the big Oscar darlings of the year that, that has drifted into the background and, and try and come to an understanding of, of why this keeps happening and, and pick out the films that maybe shouldn't have drifted into the background. 1981 will be interesting because we didn't really talk about it on the episode as you'll hear next week. Warren Beatty uh, had a big Oscar movie out called Reds. So I think in the next week I'm going to watch that in preparation for the next time we come and do one of these. Just something on our on our new format. Obviously the 1980 episode is out there now. Most of the reaction has been very positive. I will say this, that was one of our longer recordings because we were, we were working out as we went along. So there's a lot that got cut out of that episode. And I think over the next few weeks you'll see it become a bit slicker as we settle into it. Um, so that will leave room for a bit more discussion in these kind of episodes. But uh, we have had uh, one email from Richard Maul. Now, Richard joined us on our previous season to talk about Jack Reacher Never Go Back. And uh, Richard actually is uh, a fan, I'll say it. He's a fan. Um, he often sends us uh, nice little compliments. And I agree with this. I didn't agree with that. He's been with us for a couple of years now. And uh, he had some reservations about the new format. I'm going to share them with you. And I'm not saying that I'm naming and shaming Richard Moore, but, uh, well, you know. Read between the lines. <clears throat> Hi, Ben and Alex. Really enjoying the new season. Well, okay, all us forgiven. 
I had been thinking that it would be good to know what films are coming up so I could watch them before the show. <laughs> I often did this for the other seasons, sometimes watching ahead. However, I found the pre-spoiler section really inspiring and it got me interested and enthusiastic about the ninth configuration, which I watched straight away before coming back to the second half of your episode. Great discussion and analysis. One of the best episodes yet. So far, this format looks to be a winner. Why did I think this was a negative email? This is great. Incidentally, couldn't look at Scott Wilson without thinking Herschel from Walking Dead. I'm sure Alex felt the same. Time after time, yeah, not so much. Kind of surprising they both had the same score of 7.1 on IMDb. I did wonder, with the special effects, whether they were purposefully mimicking the 1960 film. But no, having looked at it, the 1960 special effects were better. No idea what they were thinking with the edge glow effect. Looks like they just gave the footage to a small child with a sharpie. You've got me thinking about all those great things I've missed, and I'm really looking forward to some more inspiring recommendations in the episodes to come. Yeah, I mean, that's that's perfect. I love that. Um, that's that's kind of my feeling, is that I don't want to, I don't want us to, to, to tell you what we're going to watch in whatever year is coming up, because I think our listeners have a pretty good grip on um, the 80s, especially the 80s and 90s, and will have their favourites. So I want you all to go away and look at what films we could possibly be discussing. And then um, when you hear what we are discussing, it's either a great treat or a huge disappointment or as in Rich's case there, we've actually given you something that you might not have considered and you can go away and watch it and then listen to our spoilery thoughts, which is why we're really making an effort to get as much discussion of the film in before the spoilers for these films because we don't want to ruin them for you because we are trying to say this is a recommendation or it isn't. So in the upcoming episodes, there's a lot of films that we don't do any spoilers for at all because there's no really value in it. So only when a film... Ninth Configuration is a great example where some of the most interesting meat on that film has to be spoiled in order to be discussed. And so it was appropriate for us to do spoilers there. Um, but what do you think? Like, Do you want us to... Because I could quite easily sit here right now and tell you what's coming up next week. But I don't want to. I want you to discover it on the episode, have a listen to us, and as we're talking, if you think, actually, I don't want to hear anymore, I want to go and watch the film, and then do as Richard did and come back and listen to the rest of it, I love that. I think that's that's exactly where I want to be. My goal, I won't speak for Alex, but my goal in everything that we've done with the Iron Mythology is whether you've seen a film or not, did we make you want to see it? Whether we liked it or not, did you want to go and see it because we talked about it, because there was something in our discussion that you agreed with or were interested by or even vehemently disagreed with? That's what the whole purpose of this is. And what I want from you is the is that discussion. Like Richard has said there, you know, he had some interesting things, interesting thoughts about the ninth configuration, didn't really care for time after time. Great. That's what we want to hear. And what we want to hear on top of that is, I can't believe you wasted your time talking about that film when you could have talked about that. Because that's another thing that we can handle in these episodes here. Now, it's not always going to be just me on my own. Sometimes Alex will be here with me. Sometimes Alex will contribute remotely. He might do a little bit. Sometimes it might be Alex on his own. He might just decide that he wants to do an episode. <laughs> Good luck. So yeah, anything you want to feed back to us, if it doesn't relate directly to something that's coming up, if there's a comment on something that we've just talked about that you want to the vent, send it in as quickly as you can and we'll talk about it on these episodes. I also want to use this to talk about um, current films that might have slipped under the radar. And because we're at the end of 2018, 
I thought I'd give you a recommendation from the beginning of the year and a recommendation from the end of the year that I think are going to fade away into into obscurity um, if you don't grab them while they're hot. Before I go into that, actually, I want to say 2018 has been a really good year for films for me. I sat down, I try and write my top 10 films every year. And this year I wrote a top 20 and I could easily do a top 25. And I think what's been really interesting, and quite a few people have said it in their end of year roundups, about this year is there have been a lot of really good films. There hasn't been one standout, like head and shoulders above everything else that you see at the top of every top 10 list. And and I actually think that's more interesting. That speaks to a greater quality across the spectrum of lots of different kinds of films, in my opinion, that have come out this year. Because last year you would see Blade Runner 2049 sitting at a lot of lists. A couple of years ago, uh, Mad Max Fury Road or Inside Out. And I don't think there is one of those this year. We It was the first year in a long time where we didn't have a really big science fiction spectacular coming out in the autumn. The last few years we've had Interstellar, Blade Runner 2049, Gravity, um, Arrival, all come out around the October-November time. Didn't get one this year. But what we did get was um, you know, some of the films that Alex and I discussed over the summer. A Quiet Place was really high up there among my favourites of the year. Fallout, I've now seen four times. Uh, I still feel it's three quarters of a great film. I still have problems with the ending of it, and I don't think those are going to go away. But I stand by what I said after we first saw it. The first hour of that film is incredible. Infinity War, obviously, um, not just because we're massive nerds. That is an unprecedented cinematic achievement. And I think it's well worth uh, looking at the period that we're in right now, prior to the release of the next Avengers film, which I won't name for anyone who hasn't seen the trailer, where we actually, this is the only time in history where we won't know how that cliffhanger gets resolved. And that's really exciting. Um, But the first film I saw in the cinema this year, um, I think when I was still on my New Year's break, was a film called Hostiles, starring Christian Bell and Rosamund Pike, among other people. Um, And it's directed by Scott Cooper, who has previously done um, Crazy Heart, Out of the Furnace, Black Mass. Um, So this is his latest in, you know, films dealing with masculinity and and such, uh, often dealing with violence and the repercussions of violence. And this is set, um, let's see, what year? 1892 um, in the the Old West. But it doesn't follow a bunch of cowboys. It follows a military team uh, who come across Rosamund Pike's character who has had her family slaughtered by some Native American tribe who wanted to steal her family's horses. And that's the scene that the film opens with. And it wastes no time setting out its stall. It's a shocking scene. It is soldier blue um that kind of scene it's unrepentantly um violent and upsetting and uh the film has in the first hour uh a very leisurely pace to it, a very deliberate pace and christian bale is a bigoted captain in the american military in the army um this is after the the war has ended he hates the red man, as he calls him, and he's tasked with taking a very violent, as they see him, war criminal, who's a Native American 
Cheyenne chief to his final resting place. He's dying of cancer and he has to take him back to his homeland. And he's been in jail uh, in this in this army stockade for years. And this is a problem for Christian Bale. That that's insults him. That's a spit in the face to everything that he fought for. So it's about these two very different men who are bonded by um, a history of shared violence towards each other's people who are now at an age where they're having to reconcile with that and deal with the mental and emotional repercussions of that. And as they set out on this journey, uh, him and his group of men, they come across Rosamund Pike's character uh, alone with her dead family and take her with them. I'm not going to go into where the film goes from there. I'll just say that this is not a perfect film. I have some pretty major reservations about some of the turns in the final act but it is so beautifully shot the uh, violence when it occurs is realistic and although it is shocking sometimes it's done tastefully uh, most of the time and with a purpose uh, Christian Bale is is being stoic and strong and he's really good at that I think some people would be turned off by it and say, well, he's just doing that somber thing that he does. Yeah, okay. I think those people will have, those critics, let's say, um, will have something to say when Vice comes out where he's playing Dick Cheney, where he's obviously not just playing that. But uh, I th- I thought he was really good in this, but the, the standout is Rosamund Pike. She has a couple of scenes in this film that are so powerful. I, like wept instantly um, and was really shaken by one particular scene where she is trying to bury her family with her bare hands I can't describe what she does it's it's so incredible Um, and I think in that scene you will see there are other actors standing by and, and at least one of them turns their back and I don't know how much of that is acting uh, obviously it's kept in because it's believable that the character does that he can't stand to look at this anymore but i think those men are are visibly moved by the performance that she gives it's it it's incredible like it obviously she's a woman in her her 30s and she's grieving for the pain of the loss of her her family and in this outburst she manages to transform into a, a tiny little girl you know, who doesn't know anything anymore and is completely lost and needs a guiding hand. It's it's an incredible piece of acting. Um, the whole cast in this is great. Ben Foster turns up later on, and I, let's just appreciate Ben Foster. He's been absolutely kicking ass in films for years now, and I, I think he's a, a, a very, very interesting actor. He had a film out this year called Leave No Trace, which was one of my absolute favourites, um, and he's not in Hostiles very much, but he's fantastic when he's in it. You've also got Rory Cochran, who was in, I believe he was in Black Mass. Um, he's been in things like A Scanner Darkly and Right There at Your Door. Again, turning up for years now, just doing great character work. He is also phenomenal in this film, really showing how damaged he is by the whole process and gradually unraveling over the course of the film, but not with histrionics in a very kind of resigned and... and I was going to say sober, but that's that's kind of the opposite of what he is in this way. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is 
in it briefly. Bill Camp and Stephen Lang, both incredible character actors, are in it. Where Studi uh, Magua from Last of the Mohicans, among many other things, is Chief Yellowhawk, the guy that they have to escort across the country. Jesse Plemons is in there. It's just a, a great cast. Adam Beach, Corianka Kilcher, who played Pocahontas in The New World. She's in this as one of Yellowhawk's family. Peter Mullen. Yeah, it's a great cast and it's a really good film. I do kind of understand why it didn't make enough of a splash when it came out because it came out in the midst of an awards season that was more focused on things like Blade Runner and Shape of Water. And this is a stoic western. It's quite long. It's over two hours and it's quite slow. I personally found it gripping. I think the very, very last scene of this film is wonderful and one of the shots of the year for me that really lingered with me. The sour note is the 10 or so minutes just before that. Totally unnecessary. And um, there is something that can happen with a film like this where the narrative has to satisfy the theme of the film and it unbalances the sum of its parts. So what happens in the end of this film is appropriate thematically, but not narratively, and so it slightly unravels itself. I'd, I'd be interested to see, uh, I'd be interested to hear, rather, if anyone's seen Hostiles, whether they think I'm way off base with this. Um, I think you'll know the, the bit I'm talking about uh, if you've seen it. Uh, let me know if I am. Theanithology at gmail.com The other film that I saw just in the last couple of weeks which really blew me away, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a huge softie, but I hadn't even heard of this film, and it popped up on my Amazon recommendations. Uh, it's called Hearts Beat Loud. It came out earlier this year, directed by Brett Haley. Now, when I look him up, he's done a couple of things before, nothing that I recognise. I don't know whether this is going to be his breakthrough one. Possibly not, if no one's seen it. Hearts Beat Loud is um, a really simple film. It's Nick Offerman runs a music store selling vinyl. He plays music with his daughter, who's played by uh, Kiersey Clemens, who is just about to graduate high school and go off to college. And the shop isn't doing so well. And so Nick Offerman's character, Frank, has basically tried to put enough money away to send his daughter off to college before he closes down the, the store and moves on and gets a regular job. Uh, Kiersey Clemens is a, a mixed-race actress. Nick Offerman is obviously white. The mother-wife character is not in the film. She died at some point previous. So there's a, a an interesting dynamic between father and daughter, but it is incredibly warm. There's not very much histrionics and drama in this. Um, but two things happen that neither of them expected. They record a song together as father and daughter, and he um, uploads it onto Spotify or something and it becomes an internet hit and that song is called Hearts Beat Loud and the other thing is that Kiersey Clemens falls in love with another girl just before she's due to go to um, college so you can see that there's lots of elements starting to swirl around here uh, about loss and devotion and it's all underscored with music this is just a really really wonderfully observed film it's very gentle it's incredibly heartwarming um i did cry a lot watching this film and they weren't sad tears 
I was just really moved by the performances and the tenderness that this film has done with. And there obviously are cliched elements to that, but it never felt cliche. It's, I'm sure it's under an hour and a half long. It doesn't outstay its welcome at all. It's 97 minutes long. Um, There's nothing graphic or upsetting in it. I, I just thought this was a really, really excellent film. And I don't know why I hadn't heard of it other than it's small. It's a very small film. There's nothing wrong with that, though. Blythe Danner turns up, Tony Collette turns up, Ted Danson turns up, Sasha Lane plays the uh, love interest to Kirsten Clemens. I believe she was also in The Miseducation of, um, was it Cameron Poe or something, uh, that came out earlier this year. Uh, she's really good. They're, they're all great. They're all great. I, always good to see Tony Collette. Yeah, I, if you want something that's just going to make you feel like you are sitting on top of a marshmallow in a cup of hot cocoa, you could do a lot worse than Hearts Beat Loud. And thankfully, the music that they actually record together is pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, not, not something I'd buy, but yeah, really, really nice films. Really, really emotionally satisfying. It's a great sofa movie with the person that you love, which is why I watched it on my own. I reckon that about do that about do's it. That will about do it for today. We will be back next week with 1981, and I am promised a brand new spoiler klaxon. Something to look forward to there. If you want to find out what films we'll be talking about in 1981, you'll just have to listen next week. Sorry, Richard. Until then, thank you for listening. Please let me know what you think about any of this. Theornithology at gmail.com. I'm Ben Hyten. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.